You're listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast, discussing all aspects of precision and long-range rifle shooting. This episode is brought to you by STS Steel Targets, premium shooting targets and accessories. And now, over to your host. Well, hello and welcome to the Precision Shooting Podcast. My name is Rusty and this is episode number something or other. Um, and over there in front of me, uh, giggling away, is giggling Greg Badco. How are you, Greg? Yeah, good. Self? <laughs> you answered that pretty bluntly. Uh, I'm good, mate. And uh, next to me is Andrew. How are you doing, Andrew? Extremely well, thanks. Fantastic. Yeah, pretty good, man. Pretty good. No no, uh, no significant complaints over the last two weeks that are worth airing on. Uh, no one listens, mate. No. Well, people listen, just mm, they skip over just the complaints bit. Yeah. So, how have you gentlemen been over the last couple of weeks? Uh, any shooting or anything like that? No. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately I not. I feel we're really on fire tonight with uh, yeah. without Look, I've, chat. I've thought about it a lot. Oh, that's a good start. Yeah. That No, that was as far as it went. Well, as, as I said, it's a good start. Uh, maybe not a good resolution, but a good start nonetheless. Well, yourself, Greg, I know you've been involved with shooting the last couple of weeks, but you've been out, haven't you? Yeah, I um, assisted uh, as an RO on a rimfire shoot and um, mainly assisted because I went drove to the wrong range. <laughs> so I was significantly late <laughs> and uh, late for the brief RO brief. So I ended up tacking on to someone else who did a great job, uh, well done Goldie. Yeah. Um, oh, so yeah, that. just arrowed for for four stands on a rimfire shoot, which was great fun. Yeah. Uh, lots of new shooters really enjoying themselves. So really successful day, I thought. So uh, Greg drove an extra couple of hours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, which is uh, which is well worthwhile. I'm sure you. you oh, so uh, it was a lovely day. Yeah. No, it was a good no, day. Read for the detail, people. Yeah. So um, so that was good fun, but yeah, we did a rimfire shoot, like a PRS type or PRI type um, rimfire shoot on the weekend with a whole stack of new shooters. It was really, it was good. It was really good fun. Mm. Um, Received well from the the new sort of guys that haven't experienced that sort of thing before. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. much. I know for me, there were lots of smiles. Um, you know, lots of guys struggled, probably not really their shooting ability, but their their firearms themselves, like. You know, typical rim fires pulled straight out of the cupboard don't feed real well. Uh, yep. They had a lot of magazine issues. You know, they're probably not well set up for the comp, but they all smiles. Mm. You know, a lot of them are talking about what they're going to buy. You know, their kit. <laughs> they're already talking about how to improve their gear. So you know, it's begun, I the, guess, for for a lot of shooters. But uh, no, everyone was really happy, even though they probably didn't do as well as they hoped. Well, or as know. their ability would have allowed. You yeah, know? I think I think there was a bit of a mix, wasn't there? Because um, so we did uh, we did the first day was a beginner day, and there was mm. about twenty five shooters, and the second day was for. I'd like to say experts or pros, but perhaps none of them may disagree. Um, and so we, the second day was a bit harder, a bit further away, shots out to 250 metres and um, was you know a bit more challenging in that regard. But, you know, the equipment, there was no restrictions on equipment for the second day or anything on those lines. So it sort of did allow for a little bit more of a level playing field. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it was expected that you sort of knew what you're doing in a, in a comp like that as well. So to give those guys who do shoot this type of stuff a, a crack on the 22s. Mm. Yeah. So... Yeah, it was good. It was good fun. Uh, a bunch of different stages and all that sort of year usual sort of caper. Um, mm. But the the hit rates uh, were up a bit higher, which was good, which is what yeah. we was aiming for. Yeah. 
Lots so did you have any, because um, I, w- I was only there for the beginner day. Yep. Um, there was one rifle that stood out for me, which was a, sorry, what was it, PWA? P. What's yeah. that little side called? PWS, isn't yeah, it? Summit. Yeah, yep. Yeah, that was really nice. That was probably the the best performing piece of hardware. Yeah, see, see, Andrew thought he said BWS and got excited. Yeah, he was off. Well, yeah. I thought we stopped there before the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, did you have any, like, it was probably a lot of standout gear on the second day. Did it, everyone there? Send- there wasn't um, a massive amount, but mm. it's certainly those who used quality gear paid, you know, in terms of paid, paid off, like in you know, running the, the Goldie who won ran a Gen 2 Vortex, you know, yeah. Now, which seems to elaborate for a 22, but it worked and he ran his big fat Atlas Bipod as well. So, yep. you know, sort of a few things like that worked out really well, um, yeah, yeah. very effective for it. So, yep. mm, it was uh, good fun. Very good. But I guess um, one of those things, ultimately the same type of, you know, extra equipment other than the rifle itself are going to be directly applicable for the rim fire shoot and the, you know, the center fire shoot as far as, you know, a scope with, you know, good adjustments and euro stop and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So Yeah, and it may have been done just out of necessity. You know, Goldie may not have had another scope he could put on the, the 22 mm-hmm. and so therefore mm-hmm. that's the one he's got and that's one he uses, um, which makes a lot of sense. So... Yeah. Um, but yeah, the additional accessories and stuff were all the all the same. Uh, the concept was the same. I think one of the real benefits of doing it with the, the rim fight, perhaps for, for many people as a bit of a practice or warm-up type of setup, um, is that you could go through 150 rounds over the course of the day. And we did bump yeah. up the... Um, we did bump up on uh, the round count for the day. Yeah. Um, and you would have spent, what, 15, 20 bucks an ammo? Yeah. Yeah, that's quite that's attractive. Great thing with rim fires, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The other thing too was good female turnout on the first day. So yeah. lots of girlfriends and wives coming out and having a go, which and was great to see. Yeah, um, I'm not sure what happened on the second day, but um, no, you, you're spot on. There was um, yeah five. Uh, well, out of 23 shooters who end up com- completing the day, um, five of them were were females, which was wonderful to have along. Uh, really, really good. So. Um, it was great to, to have that aspect to it. Mm, mm. Um, yeah. So really happy with it. We'll probably do another similar one along those lines to, to see, you know, get people who are sort of thinking about it. Uh, it's probably a little bit more approachable. It's easier for people to get into because the equipment's a lot less required to have a crack. And, I mean, we, we – you know, I'd hate to think what the average distance on the targets was, but it was probably like 35, 40 metres. We kept a lot close, but just up the – uh, the movement or the th- that aspect of it because a lot of people um, I guess a lot of people don't um, know their drop data on their 22s mm. and that sort of thing so we kept that to a minimum but the timing and all that sort of stuff was, was more prevalent the movement um, and yeah it was good fun and then and then we would cut you know a reasonable amount of time out for the second day and push the distances further and do all those things to make it more challenging yeah cool so yeah that's that's something we did in the last couple of weeks yeah. um which was which was good had a a couple of guys out shooting um one of them had only ever shot beyond uh to two two hundred and fifty meters and the other one I don't think had shot over a hundred meters and they both cracked a thousand today. So it's always yeah, well, always very nice. encouraging. Yep. Um not bad for a Wednesday, I guess. Um but yeah, we're really encouraging. And and actually one of the things I got to play with today, which we're very, very uh, lucky to have on loan, is this little Swarovski spotting scope. 
I wouldn't say it's so little. Yeah, no, fair call. It was, uh, it's not so little, but uh, we are actually on Facebook Live again in this episode, and that's it there. So I have talked about this one before, and we will do a little video on it, but um, this one has effectively, I think I described it as binoculars smashed into a spotting scope, and um, I'd say it's hard to disagree with that. Yeah, no, it's, it's nice. Very comfortable. And we're not going to give that away as a listener's prize, are we? No. Uh, well, if you're going to buy one, then <laughs> and we're going to give it away. Well, Greg's probably the most appropriate person to fund yeah. one for listeners. Why so um, we should probably take a poll on that, listeners, if you want Greg to fund a Swarovski spotting soap. Um, then please let us know. Um, whatever the outcome is completely not legally binding and in no way will actually reflect on what happens on the show. But if you're interested in Greg doing it, just, just let us know. We want to take a uh, initial summary of uh, interest. I'll put my name I'll write a check that, that bounces. No <laughs> Good. So anyone's after a bouncing check, uh, we've also got those available for uh, as a giveaway. Um, but, yeah, no, really impressed with the um, the spotting scope. is really clear. Um, but, you know, it's a really relatively expensive one, so you'd expect it to be really good, and it was. Mm. It, was it was absolutely sensational. Um, so anyway, we'll go into detail on that on uh, either another show or one of the videos that we'll do in some point in the future. So uh, have you actually stated the model yet for those that won't see Facebook Live? Yeah, so it is. Well, there's only one model that does this. I'm just trying to find the model number. I think it's a BTX. I know where it is. It's on the inside of it. Hang on a sec. This is why I couldn't find it. Oh, I broke it before. How do I do it again? There we go. Okay, so it's a BTX. Um, they're the binos. And the other part is called a Swarovski spotting scope front bit. Um, BTX front bit. <laughs> no, it's, the, it's just the, the front bit because there's a, a BTX, an ATX, and a STX. And the ATX is the angled TX and the STX is the straight TX and the B is the bloody terrific TX. So that's so the other two variants are monocular monoculars. Yes. Yep. The uh, they're just <laughs> you tripped over that word. Yeah, a I bit, struggled to get that one out. Monocular. Yeah. No, I can see. I can see how. Um, <laughs> So anyway, that was that was really nice to to have a look through, and so we got that a little bit longer. We're going to play with that. Mm. Speaking of where this may end up, which we weren't, but we will now. A um, bit of a topic for this evening is we may have a hunting trip on the cards, and Sean McNally has already asked to come along. And sorry, Sean, um, but we already have quite a full um, range of uh, crew coming along. I believe. Yes. Yep. Yes. So we haven't confirmed dates and bits and pieces, but no doubt we'll do. It'll be similar to the one we did last year, and no doubt we shall um, we shall confirm, uh, you know, we'll do a podcast from up there. But it got us thinking that we've done a stack of episodes about um, about getting ready for shooting comps and getting ready for matches and bits and pieces or learning how to do all the long-range shooting. We really have ignored probably what is for, for all of us our first real interest is hunting. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so, you know, hunting, you know, specifically from a you know, long range point of view, um, I guess uh, we've got, you know, potentially got a trip coming up in the next few months. Uh, my, my question to you guys is what do you do to prepare for that sort of thing? Uh, okay. So I guess for this trip, I'll just say for this trip. Yeah. Um, use this I'm, trip I'm as an example. 
I'm already starting to think, well, I've focused on the rifle I'm going to use, uh, which is the 6x47 lap. Yep. Um, and I've started, well, I've, I've locked down a load now. I've got some cow data in at a good distance. Um, wow, wow, totally took that as the wrong type of cow. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, what is that? Yeah, a calibration, okay, muzzle velocity calibration at uh, about 730, but I'll, I want to just reach out a little bit more yep. before the trip just to confirm data. Mm-hmm. And then that's squared away. I probably would, wouldn't put much thought, much more thought into the rifle and ballistics other than that. Yeah. Um, and then the focus would shift to gear. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, so it would be more about the practical application of hunting, I guess. So, um, see, with me anyway, I'm, I'm, I've usually got most of my hunting gear ready to go anyway in tubs because I hunt a lot. Yes, yeah, so yeah, true. what I often do is just throw a tub in the back and go. Um, okay. And what would but, be in said tub? What's- um, well, normally for, like, for a... Just a spotlighting shoot. Everything I need's in my ammo container. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's gun of choice in bag, in yep. the back of the ute, ammo container in the back, and I might throw my spotlight in if I was spotlighting, but I don't do much spotlighting these days. Okay. Yeah. And I just go. So I'm I'm good to go. I've always got always keep ammo on hand. Um, so there's not a lot of thought in a normal just one night hunt. Yeah. But when it's several days, it's different. Um, Especially when on foot's involved, um, you got to be able to carry everything that you need on you. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I put thought into more thought into like slings. Um, if I'm going to wear a vest or not, uh, camelbacks. Yeah. Um, do I want to have a paper map on me? Do I want a compass? Do I want, you know, in case I get geographically embarrassed? Um, <laughs> it, you know, it's just fallback stuff. It's almost impossible to get lost in. There's so many features that you can do map to ground on, but, um, you know, and then it's like, all right, you can't shoot stuff at long range unless you can see it. That's, that's the big thing. Um, sure. so binos, um, and, and what I'll start to do is just sort of start to lay all that gear out mm-hmm. and just check it all and pack it in like, as I like for the big trips, cause I want to make sure I got it all. Yeah, sure. Um, I just give it a quick check over, put it in my gear. I will pack it, ready to go, and then I'll, I'll usually only do that like a day or two out. Like I don't, yeah, I don't budge until about a day out, day day or two out. So it's usually last minute. Um, but probably more of the focus for me is around, you know, believe it or not, food. Um, making sure it's about you got the sources, mate. Yeah, it's all about the sources. It's all in the sources. Um, but. <laughs> Nah, look, you burn a lot of calories when you're out hunting. You got wish. You got to, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, nah, you do. Um, yes. Especially, you know, the rougher terrain, the more you yeah, move. Yeah, mm. um, You know, if you go in the middle of summer, you're going you're gonna to smash through water. Um, you know, if you don't put all those considerations in, you, you, you can fall over or you can just be flat for a hunt. Gotcha, um, yep. So I'd, I like to make sure I've got a decent amount of food each day and... You know, it's all got to fit in the fridge and, I, you know, you want your rump steaks and your, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, make sure all my cooking gear. So, that that's a big part of it. But that, that's about the limit of it. You know, you, you've you've got to have your gun sorted, your ammo sorted. That's a, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. All your drop yep. data sorted. So, I've got my gadgetry. I've got my Kestrel, which looks after that for me. 
I got to, you got to be able to spot your game. So I got the binos. You, you've you've um, you've got to have something to sleep in. You've got to have something to cook. You've got to have something to eat on. You've got to be able to move all your shit through the bush. So you've got to be able to whether you're going to bring a pack, whether you're going to do, um, you know, a vest, whether you're going to do webbing. Yep. You know, you've I've got those choices, but I'll use what's appropriate to the environment. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's, that's the sort of thought processes I go through. But to be honest, it all condenses down to about a day, day or two before I go. I'll lay it all out in the shed and go, right, I want that, I want that, I don't want that. I'll push it away and I'll just go through it like that. And away you go. And away I go. Yeah, yeah. right. I'm sort of a little different the way I get ready normally. Like I'll get ready months in advance. Um <laughs> I'm a list writer, so I kind of break it down uh, you, into... you and me both. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like to break it down into the different areas. So I sort of go, all right, get my sleeping gear, and I'll list off everything I want to take. Mm. Uh, and then I'll go, all right, all personal gear, and I'll break it all down, and I'll write it all down. I'll, I'll, I'll do it a month in advance, mm. and I'll sort of keep it wherever I am. Like if I'm at work, if something comes to mind, I'll put it down on the list. And I, I do agree, though, that you know with actually... You know, selecting the rifle you're going to use and mm. and you know having that sort of side of it squared away it's pretty essential to have that done well in advance mm. um the the better you know that the, the better i think you're going to be like mm. i've seen guys that have been solely reliant on electronic means to get their data mm. you know that they have really who, no who idea who would do such a thing no one in this room <laughs> Um, but I mean, if you if you've got no idea, say your orchestral goes down, mm-hmm. or your PDA goes down, or your phone goes down, and you're reliant on that solely, um, if you've got yep. no other means, whether it be through memorising, you know, coarser mm-hmm. yardage drops, or you know, generic paper drop charts that you can reference off, um, you know, that's got to be done well in advance. As I said, I don't like to have that being last minute stuff. Mm-hmm. So as you said, yeah, have the have the rifle scope and everything squared away. And I said I like to make sure I've got you know basic tools that I need or may need to yeah, good work on the rifle itself, whether it be you know correct size Allen keys, mm-hmm. um, again for scope scope mounts, everything you may or may not need. Hopefully, don't need. Um, I've I got a kit, a small kit which I carry, which I, I guess is probably due to the fact I've worked on guns a lot. Mm. I've seen a number of issues, which I know you have too, Rusty, with um, mm. particularly Remington-based stuff, uh, shearing the bolt, what would you call it, um, bolt release, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, Shearing the pins straight off of them. And if you don't have any means to to rectify that, it's not a, a trip-ending issue. No, but it's frustrating. It's an annoying issue. Yeah. yeah. Every time and you pull your bolt back, it smacks you in the face. Yeah. It gets you know, old real quick. Yeah, and even things like, I, you know, one memorable thing on a on a trip I was on years ago, I had a brand new rifle. It was my first rifle I ever had built. It was a 6, uh, six 284 uh, on a Stolly Panda action. Mm. A single shot. Um, I didn't bring any tools with me at all. I think it was on the first, well, first or second round I was going to fire. I'd seated the projectiles out too long. Uh, mm. and obviously, they were jammed in the lands. Oh, great. That was awesomely accurate but then i must have chambered around and the shot didn't present so i went to uh extract it and dumped a case full of powder through the trigger and mm. the trigger stopped working <laughs> no and when you're on a kangaroo island trip for a week pretty frustrating so 
I like to break it down and go, all right, what could possibly go wrong with my gun? What could go wrong with my scope? It's a bit, I mean, short of taking spare everything, you can't cover all the bases. No. But, uh, you know, basic little things. Um, so I go through all that. And, uh, I mean, I like to, I'll probably carry a few more gadgets in that, um, you know, I've got my rangefinder set up, which is a little bulky, I guess, but very effective. Um, yeah, exceptionally. Yeah, again, I, I carry most of my gear that I'm actually going to have with me. I've got a, a Burley stock pack, which I, I can sl- you know, slide the rifle into and have all the gear with it. It's mm. That's a fantastic option. It's sort of com- you know, compartmentalized in the, in the pack itself. So you can have, you know, like one compartment can be your food and, and water for the day. And then you can have ammo and, you know, other gear like your spotting scope and rangefinder and... You know, even strap a shooting mat on the outside of it. So, yeah, I guess I try to break it down into areas, like, rather than just looking at all my gear and going, yeah, I'll grab that and grab that and grab that. When it comes to actually packing my gear, there's no, like, I don't think, okay, what am I going to use now? I just grab my list, a finalised list, and I go through item by item. Yeah, okay. Well, um, I'm... Um, somewhere in between both. I'm, I'm a list writer as well, Andrew, but my list is usually done the day before. <laughs> um, so uh, last time I went, last time we went up to the Flinders, um, we uh, I, I took the ammo that I'd loaded the day before, hadn't developed, just loaded, and I made sure I took a chronograph and did all my load development up there and... Well, I say load development, got, gathered all my data up there and then proceeded to utilise whatever I had. Um, so that's one thing I'm going to change for you know our next trip is to have a load and some data sorted at least 24 hours prior to leaving uh, would be good. Um, a few extra rounds this time, mate. Do you know what? So I think you ran out last time, did you? On, I ran on, out on day and a half into but it. But you achieved what you wanted to achieve. Well, but this is this is right. So I took I took about twenty rounds of my three three eight, and I took about thirty rounds of my six five Creed, and I used you know probably ten uh, of each to get zeroed and and data and bits and pieces. Mm. Uh, probably used a couple more. Uh, maybe twelve. Anyway, so I, I used um, I used majority of my rounds doing that. And I walked away really happy. Mm. Um, but, you know, to, to be fair, I, so I set new records for both guns. Um, well, I set a record with the 6.5 and then had set the new record for the three three eight. But mm. I, I was also there with a big focus on filming. And mm. no doubt I'm sort of planning to do the same again this time around where you know, filming will be a priority. And, and so it was actually good to sort of shoot, achieve what I was there for. And mm. I've moved on from getting ready from a... LR Hunt, haven't I? Anyway, it was a, a, achieved what I was, I was there for and then proceeded to have the freedom to really be able to focus on on footage. And we learned a lot of lessons about, you know, obtaining footage on a uh, hunting trip from that particular weekend, mm. which will no doubt um, be utilised the next time we go away. So I didn't actually mind having only a few rounds and, and sort of getting the, the, the hits that I was after, um, which was good. But in terms of preparation for it, I guess I had... I had a lot to do with that side of things. So I, um, I, 
I'm now more and more traveling pretty light from a hunting perspective. And I know we used to go away and we used to fill our, our you know, fill my ute for two people. Um, and, you know, we'd come back and not have used three quarters of the stuff at all. Uh, you got it for just in case, but you probably don't need that many just in case items. So I've gotten a lot leaner um, with my hunting side of things um, in, in more recent years. And so I guess, you know, big. Probably, you know, gun, ammo, scope, data, mm-hmm. um, and probably my, my my backpack, which has all my other bits and pieces, my various bags and stuff, uh, my toolkit, um, which is pretty bare bones, but it I can undo and redo every screw on the on the entire gun. So it's it's essential, you know, the, the essential bits of it. Um yeah, and so I guess they're they're the the key elements to actually making the shot. Um, we we normally have had a spotting scope, um, but we, you know usually it's a communal one, so we sort of take one between everyone and just take the nicest one. I think we might have had two last time, but yeah, I think we had two, didn't we? Yeah, but we had binos. Yeah, yeah binos probably the more easy and effective way of doing it. So. Mm. I guess um, I want to be, focus a bit more on actually spending some time with the gun. And, you know, last time I was just running out of time and, and this time mm. I can foresee that happening as well. But, you know, that sort of thing is uh, is something, you know, perhaps spend a little bit more time on because I do want to set new records on, mm. on whatever guns it is I take. Uh, 338 will be one of them. Um, and I don't know what else I'll take. Anyway, we'll find out. Wait and see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. So mm-hmm. probably determine what's uh, what's available and what's still got life in the barrel at the time. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's probably one of the big things I want to spend time on. And it's probably not dissimilar to getting ready for a competition in that regard. I mean, you know, that's where a lot of the comps come from. Perhaps a less focus on running barricades and and, and shooting under time pressures and more focus on extending the distances. Because I think that's, you know, generally the purpose of our LR trips is to really try and set new goals, go a little bit further than we did last time, be comfortable about being able to do that as well. So perhaps some, some more shooting extended distances is, is in order um, in terms of time prep. Um yeah, for me. Yeah, I think um, just in on the prep side of things, for well, for me personally, I think the more familiar you are with the particular load you're using. I mean, I know you know what you said about uh, the way you did it last time. I, I'm, was I'm not saying it's not a good ideal. way. No, no. <laughs> but I mean, in terms of you know, with say a PRS or a PRI type shoot, um, the targets themselves are not going to change distance. You know the di- the distances to those targets; they're not moving generally. Yep. Um, True. So you can, generally speaking, go into a stage knowing, okay, I may have X number of targets on this stage and they are going to be at these distances. Yes. So, you know, you need to be familiar with what the wind's going to do to your load. But in, a, in the hunting type situation, you know, I've, I've shot goats, for example, where you can be a long distance away from them and fire a shot. You may hit or you may miss, but they can very rarely do animals just stand there Mm. normally they'll run one way or another often towards you when you're shooting long range so you've got to be able to quickly you know if you're if you're going having to grab your your kestrel or your pda and and, oh crap we've got to get some new data yep the more familiar you are you can look at them and go all right they've run you know 50 meters or 100 meters towards me or away from me if you the quicker you're able to re-engage them i think 
you know, the more success you're going to have. Sure. Yeah. Um, and if you're not familiar with what your load's doing, mm. like intimately familiar with it. So for me, that side of the preparation is probably the most critical for long range success. Um, really knowing what your gun's doing. All the other side sort of prep as far as physically getting there and being comfortable and fed and all that sort of stuff, it's easy to do. And you know, a sort of a secondary concern really for me, unlike Greg who likes to eat <laughs> pancakes, preferably. Nothing yeah, wrong with I, pancakes. I just find all the gun stuff side of it pretty straightforward, but I do hunt a fair bit. I, I just don't – it's easy. Well, I think for that's me to get ready. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> no, built bang, in. Bang, I'm ready to go. Isn't yeah. it? It's built in for you yeah. if you're hunting regularly, very familiar with your gun. Yeah. I think that's exactly what you're talking about, isn't it, Andrew? Mm. Where yeah, yeah, where you're familiar with it and you get to know it very well. And and you know, so for me, my um, yeah, if I took my 260 out, I'd be really comfortable. Unfortunately, that thing doesn't doesn't drop animals overly well. So yeah, um, I wouldn't wouldn't as a preference take that in my three through eight i probably have shot very little since our last hunting trip mm. so that's that's where it's a point so i mean i look at something like your predominant rifles are what 223 and 243 mm. uh, yeah that you run. Yeah. and i would be fairly confident that you would be able to pick that up chuck it in the car and go mm. Mm. and have a pretty good idea that if there's an animal yeah. within usable range of that gun you're going to hit it mm. or, or you're going to know what it's doing yeah i've seen a lot of guys that, you know they get out into a hunting trip and mm. they're just oh i'm not quite sure where Dynamic it's zero drops, and, yeah. yeah so for me the actual the gun prep side of things is the critical one yeah that's the yeah. make or break really yeah. And, yeah. and i've seen guys waste so many shots on animals i've seen them waste so much ammo because they don't know what it's doing um yeah true and i guess look um you know when I, I said, you know, I t- took the, the guns away and, and did all that work there. Well, I actually I did. I spent the time yeah. and, and went through that process to get to know what they're doing. And we shot at 100 metres, zeroed them, got chronograph data, and then um, shot at about seven 800 metres. Actually, could have been further than that. But um, we took some, some calibration shots at distance. And I was I was data dependent. I did really have to rely on my data, um, but I'm also, I guess, relatively familiar with that gun on a grander scale, um, yeah. and and was able to yeah, yeah able to make it work. Um, yeah. I got to say, I'm, I'm for long range stuff. I'm relatively data dependent. Yeah, shorter you know range stuff. I'm not so you know sort of inside four hundred. I'm not, but four hundred and beyond. I'm pretty data reliant. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so I think um, you know you've got to have that sorted, or or you you're going to struggle. Yeah, but you you were um, last time we went up, you were using the Kestrel and Bushnell Connex system. Yes. So you yeah. were getting updated as we got updated data uh, distances. You were immediately getting updated drop data. Yeah. 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 Now it worked really well. Um, got a nice clean kill. What was it? Seven hundred and seventy-five. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I was pretty happy. One shot drop. Um, yeah, so I hope hope to improve on that next time. <laughs> That's the plan. Try yeah, and push that out a little bit plan. further. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. For sure. Nicely done. Well, um, I guess uh, we we are as we um, said we are on Facebook Live at the moment. So if anyone does have any thoughts or comments about what we're talking about, we'd love to hear from you as well. Um, Sean McNally suggests uh, butchery gear and carry bags for meat. Probably. Um, yeah, we didn't point that out, but that's often in that pack anyway. Um, and probably we don't shoot a huge amount of 
of game either. So you're not taking massive amounts of meat. So you pass up a lot of shots if they're not what our goal is. Um, yeah, I, I guess on that particular trip, yeah, we're, we're more doing culling at range is probably a better description. Yeah. Uh, I do go out with uh, Simo Simon, who's been on the podcast. Um, we do butcher. So he yeah. brings he brings all his butchering knives and and we lug all the meat out and and uh, but he covers that for me which is great. <laughs> Good on him. Uh, no, he loves it. He loves it. Yeah, so he's yeah. a bit of a butcher at heart. Yeah, I've sort of found with with the long range trips, if you're going to take meat, you know, to consume while you're there, I would, I would just prefer to find a a nice you know eating sized animal and mm-hmm. head shoot it from 100 meters. You you don't have to shoot goats from a thousand meters. You know, often you're shooting over mobs of goats to find the long ones. Um, <laughs> so yeah, not so applicable on a trip like this, but yeah. definitely handy. Like I always carry a, you know that sort of stuff in my car. Oh yeah, yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah. That's right. You never know when you're going to drive into a deer or something. Mm. <laughs> Literally drive into. <laughs> yeah, one. No, that's <laughs> what I meant. Yeah, actually hit one on the road. They're getting that bad where we are. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's. It's always exciting prepping for a, for a long range trip, and and it's interesting to see different approaches and different ways of doing things. Um, I think uh, I, I think the other the other thing is is it really depends on the type of hunting you're going to be doing, and we're not, we're, we're far from covering all types. I guess what we do is um, we're predominantly based out of a location, and what we've done previously, and we will then. Um, no, it's not that we won't hike up a mountain. We certainly will, but we're not hiking in from, uh, from you know, from not walking all day to yeah, get to a spot. To get to a spot, basically drive to where you can. If you need to get up onto a vantage point, obviously you get up there. But yeah, uh, I mean, I've I've done long range trips, sort of out, you know, sort of western New South Wales and southwest Queensland, where it's mm-hmm. flat, open country, where you basically find the slightest bit of high ground you can. And you park your car there and, and find targets from you know as far away as you want to want to go, but yeah, yeah, it's very different terrain. I mean, I, sometimes up in the you know the Flinders areas, like where we're going, it you know you may not actually be travelling a long distance on foot, but you'd be going up some pretty steep terrain. Oh, yeah. So certainly, um, you know, your considerations as far as yeah you know, your weight of your gear and how you're you know, distributing the load over your back and your shoulders is mm. a bit more critical than on the flat ground. Yeah, and and so yeah, I guess we we based out of a uh, not a house. What's the word? A hut, really? Yeah, or musterer's hut. Musterer's yeah. hut. Yeah, and so you, you're based out of something like that, and then you can you can wander up to various areas around, um, mm. or drive for a bit, and then and then do the same thing. So there's a lot of equipment and gear and stuff that we don't either need to take with us or need to worry about how much it weighs because we're not carrying sleeping gear with us or um, we probably should carry cooking gear with us this time around, Greg. But, um, so you guys can cook pancakes. That's exactly right. Yeah. We need to uh, take care of the uh, essential things in life and I bet I bet you if we take it and, you, and we cook it, you'll happily eat it. I will. Yeah, I thought yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, uh, but yeah, we sort of take... Um, yeah, it's a day pack scenario sort of thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Just base out of that camp, and we just day pack out. Mm. I think it would it would be probably quite a different looking setup if you were say hunting, you know, samba in the Victorian high country, and you were literally walking all day. Mm. You're in there for days, and, and yeah. you know you were taking all your gear with you. That would sort of necessitate yeah. lighter guns, lighter gear, 
Mm. Now, you'd have a lot more you have to think about in that regard rather than going, right, I'm taking this rifle. I don't care if it weighs 15 pounds. Yeah, because mm. all I have to do is get up that mountain. That might take me an hour and a half to mm. climb up there. But once I'm there, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna <laughs> to sit there for four hours and uh, and wait and watch. And um, mm. and oh, I guess there's, you know, there's, there's multiple approaches to being able to how to you know, go about and do that. And neither is right or wrong. Mm. Um yeah, both require lots of effort. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to get a bit of feedback if we've got anybody listening in New Zealand that's into the long-range hunting scene. I mean, New Zealand, a lot of it, are, from what I understand, never been there, is pretty uh, pretty hilly terrain. So, you know, whether the sort of the lightweight approach is more mm. common mm. over there than the bigger, heavier guns, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to have a look. Yeah, Absolutely. So one of the other things that I find comes away from many trips is you often walk away with a you know, with a new piece of kit that you bought along, or there's there's a different way of going about something that you um, that works really well. And I remember, um, I guess we've had a few different few different things over the years. Uh, radios, I remember on one trip, that was the, the token uh, genius idea and uh, came away from that trip with uh, with going, yeah, no, radios. Radios on every trip was a, was a, a good way to be. Um, and I'm trying to remember what we – because we went around on the podcast um, last time and, and talked about when we were in the Flinders about what, what was uh, uh, our, our sort of takeaway from it. Do you, do you remember what yours was, Greg? Apart from pancake cooker, no, no, no. I don't have a memory. Remember, no, that's I'm right. I'm 43 years old, <laughs> so <laughs> I think I might have talked about binos. I think I reckon you're right. Yeah, so yeah, that, yeah, that know, rings a bell. You can't long range shoot if you can't see what you're shooting at, ah. which is pretty straightforward. Deep. So yeah, very deep. Yeah, very um, deep. No, you've thought about but that. But yeah, lot. the 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 binos that I bought, which are it's a Vortex. Vitamins, HDs, yep. I think, yeah, tacticals. I was really happy with them and, um, you know, I was having no trouble picking up colour, which was great, as well as shape. So, yeah, they, they allowed me to spot more effectively um, and it, that was a big positive ad for shooting further. No, I don't think there's anything overly different because, you know, when you talked about just before where, you know, you go on a trip and you you find a piece of kit that you want to improve or you see someone else doing something that you go, man, that's a good idea or that yep. piece of kit's just bloody brilliant. Well, you just talked about my whole, you know, 20-odd years of hunting because that's... No, I'm just I'm discounting that experience. Yeah. What are you going to do this time? No, because <laughs> what, what I'm saying is like where I've got to this point has been, a de- you know, I've developed all my gear over time. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm always open to new bits of kit with because mm-hmm. I'm a gadget guy yeah we know that yeah yeah. so um you know i've I've pretty much refined my gear with with the new developments so i think you know guys starting out might have more scope to see improvements in their gear and you know like you know see a lot more change in between trips whereas i think I've, i've sort of come a long lot further i guess that's why i find that you know, getting ready for a hunting trip is relatively simple, quick, and easy, uh, because I'm sort of already set up. If you that say makes that, sense. but but you know, a year ago you're saying, "Oh, your binos." That was the, that was the addition, yeah. and so that was um, a year ago, and yeah. that was a year ago. But also since then, you've like you've changed, you've 
you've tweaked out your um, your night hunting gun. Now you put thermal on yeah, there. Now yeah. you've got a, a rangefinder mounted. So it's a, yeah. it's, you're I saying keep going. I mean, I'm not saying yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, your 20 years has obviously brought you to to yeah. wherever you're up to now. Yeah. Um, and but you're going to continually refine it. And it's That's not right. all yeah. about buying new equipment, by the way. It's but mm. it's about refining practices and ways you do it. Yeah. 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 Well, for Greg, it's probably more a matter of what ideas I come up with that he can yeah, rip off. Yeah, no, yeah, right. yeah, no, no, Full, yeah. fully granted. So, Andrew, what's Greg going to buy for this trip? Yeah, tell me, Andrew. I would like a uh, <laughs> set of um, Vector 4 rangefinding binos, hint, hint. Yeah. No, I guess <laughs> one thing that just came to, came to mind was... just bought a radius. And and a uh, Swarovski spotting scope. Oh, did um, I? For a, <laughs> for a uh, podcast for a giveaway, yeah. <laughs> um, which currently the feedback is coming in quite positively um, that people do want that as a giveaway. So, as I said, not legally binding at all, Greg, but you know, everyone will just think you're a wanker if you don't. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm doomed. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just what it came to mind uh, as far as sort of things you I do in prep, yep. one thing I've, I've learned the hard way over the years is Batteries, batteries mm. for all your gear. Yeah, like yeah. I go through everything that has okay. a battery, yeah. mm. and I I make sure I got spares, yeah. rangefinders, yeah, um, anything digital basically. Yeah, cameras. Yeah, it's a biggie. Yeah, make any, sure you got any the charge devices. cables, USB charge cables, adapters. Yeah, because if you go somewhere and you know you're reliant on your phone mm. and it goes flat the first day you're there and you don't have the cable to charge it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, yeah. or your rangefinder, you know, goes flat in the first morning. Or if your video cameras go flat on the last day and you're pretty happy with the footage you got, and then as you're packing up, so you know, probably six or so hours after you've you know, you've you've had some opportunity to get footage that you couldn't, and then someone as you're packing up pulls out a box and you go, What's in that? He's like, Oh, it's a video camera with like three charge batteries and you go, That would have been really helpful this morning. Yeah, that, those sort of no, experiences. It's, it's hey, Sixty times optical zoom too, yeah. so you could have got all full yeah. of flight and everything. Rather, this rather, uh, you know, specific well, hypothetical situation. Hypothetically, I'm, I'm, I'm. You're right. I'm just. I'm. I like to be specific so people can understand my pain and frustration. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I took it. <laughs> <laughs> never, never came out of the box. Never came out of the box, and mm. and I definitely could have used that. Anyway, yeah. and I was going to um, suggest that one of the things I think. I'm thinking that might work really well this time around for me that I'm planning on taking is the hog saddle. Yes, I'd like to try that in action. Yeah. So um, I'm really keen to. I've I've used it plenty in the the competition type scenario. um, You know, the shooting gongs and bits and pieces, but I actually use it in a in a scenario where I, I I. just literally can't get a good comfortable position, but there's a shot available being able to use it how it was designed. Um, I think that opportunity, I hope, will present itself um, because, I mean, you you, know, you guys know what flinders are like. Prone mm. shooting is not uh, always the easiest to, uh, to get no. into and mm. to be able to sort of have a really stable, comfortable platform um, where I'm, you know, I'm fairly comfortable shooting off that thing. Um, mm. So I think... Um, yeah, I wouldn't mind. I'd, I'd happily accept a uh, a lower record mm. if it's off off the uh, tripod. I'd, I'd yeah. be quite happy with that. Yeah, no, I'd be interested. Yeah. That's not the sort of thing, I guess, that um, you know you're going to use if you're going to take a two thousand meter shot. But you know, for the under mm. a K kind sort of, of supersonic yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've mm. you know sort of shot 
gongs regularly out to a thousand meters off of it. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of fairly comfortable nice. that I could might be able to maybe hit a thousand meter um, goat on it. Um, yeah. Um, speaking of bits of kit, which uh, well I won't be able to get it in time for this trip, um, but uh, I've discovered a, a bipod manufactured by Elite Iron. Elite Iron. Mm, okay. They, they call it the Revolution. Oh, yeah, I remember you. Mm. Um, Was it you telling us about this one? Or? I did, but I'm sure now Greg's probably got one on yeah, order. Yeah, no, I'll get one on Bought order. Bought the company. Yeah, probably would buy it out, wouldn't you? I better get discounts. What Greg. was it called? Elite Iron Revolution. All right, I'm looking up something completely different then. I wrote the wrong name. Uh, but so, yeah, basically it's a... I don't know whether you've had a look at it, Greg, but... No. Um, I've got a feeling we've talked about this on the podcast before. Maybe. Anyway. Yeah, briefly, I think probably mentioned it. But yeah, anyway, it's a it's a pretty cool looking bipod that pretty much allows you to mm. to shoot like it sort of the rifle pivots inside a frame, if you like, like a, a chassis that wraps around the sort of the, the barrel and stock. It's it's quite mm, okay. bulky. But uh you know, That's watch it, there, watch some videos on it when you get oh, a chance. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I'll see. It, uh, it, you don't sort of grasp the versatility of it until you watch some videos of it being used in all yeah. sorts of applications, in particularly in like some really rocky, uneven terrain, which is yeah. really very much Flinders Ranges territory. Um, mm. It looks like a very well thought out idea. Yeah, right. It would uh, give good, you know, in a lot of places, if you've got a conventional bipod, you'd be really struggling. Yeah. But this one here, given the way it works, I think would would allow it to be sort of utilised in a lot of areas that, you know, standard bipods aren't. Yeah. So oh, I'll that, have to look them up. Yeah. That's one I've been thinking about for a while. And then, look, that would also have applications for competition shooting and whatnot as well. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so that's probably... But that's, you know, it goes in... That's on the gun itself, really. So, got the gun sorted, the load sorted. Once mm. that's on there, that's mm-hmm. sort of just part of that system, really. Yeah. Yeah, good idea. Um. Oh, it's interesting to to see, you know, what what uh, different different bits and pieces. I've got a focus wheel for my camera. I wanted to take and try out, but that's got very little to do with actual shooting. <laughs> so perhaps is less interesting. But I'm I'm excited about it. I think it yeah. will uh, will result in some good shots. Um, yeah. Now we've we've had a question uh, uh, from Anthony um, who has asked, and I'm I'm gonna maybe we frame this around the basis of. Uh, from a hunting perspective, if we had the, because that's what we're talking about, so it would make sense. Uh, if you had the choice between a 50 BMG and a 338 lap mag, what would you choose? For um, Flinders Rangers type hunting? Well, that's what we're talking about. So let's say long range hunting in general. Yeah. I, yeah, I'd probably take the 338 personally. Um, I've shot a few 50s. And that just physically, the the guns are a lot bigger. I mean, just you're trying to get a yep. a gun that's you know probably two feet longer and twice the weight into position. Mm-hmm. Just a lot more difficult to get settled in those situations. Um, you know, some of the modern projectile developments for for the smaller calibers mean they're a lot more ballistically efficient. Mm. Uh, and I mean, if you hit a hit a goat. At fifteen hundred meters with a fifty, it's just going to punch a big hole through it. It's not really a lot of um, resistance for the projectile. Sure. Yep. Uh, mm. Look, fifties are not really designed for that kind of thing. I mean, they're more mm. sort of 
you know, shooting vehicle targets and that kind of thing. Yes, they do mm. good good at shooting anything really, but mm. um, I would take a three three eight personally. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you for all the same reasons. Yeah, it's um, I've, I've obviously never shot a BMG though, a fifty, never, unfortunately, one day. But um, no, I, you know, three three eight was designed for it's a long range killing scenario. Ballistically, I haven't had really had a good close look at them, but it should it should be would it be superior than the fifty? No, look, the fifty would have the ability to you know mm. ballistically, as far as drop and wind drift, be mm. better, mm. but not by a massive degree. And, yeah. and you've got to look at pure accuracy potential. Like a lot of fifty cal rifles are are not as accurate. Mm. So mm. to me, I, I would take something that has a little more drop and a little more wind drift with a lot more accuracy potential yeah. than a yep. sure. more of a sort of a, a spray and pray kind of yeah. rifle. Yep. You know, having said that, there are some good, really accurate fifties out there, but I, I take a look at things like the King of two mile comp and yes, guys are shooting with the fifties, but mm. it's, it's the three, seven fives and three, three eights are yeah, doing pretty well. Yep. So no, mm. unless you need the, the power of a 50 to knock something over, I wouldn't bother with it personally. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I'd probably be the same way inclined as well. The three three eight um, has uh, has served me well, and uh, in, and certainly continue to. Uh, you know, there's a lot, a lot of opportunity for projectiles. There's heaps available, mm. and, and and they'll do the job. And they'll, you know, I, I know it's got more legs than I've given it. So there's mm. there's more potential there. What um, was because um, I was watching over your shoulder when you set your current record for the three three eight. Last time we went, <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought you meant just in general. No, no, no. out a little bit. No, I wasn't. <laughs> no, slightly I'm, nervous. I won't say the joke I was going to say. Good. But, um, <laughs> yeah, what, what was that distance? Because that three throw, it looked easy. You made it look easy. It's just what I do, mate. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, don't, um, don't, don't let it go to your head. No, I won't. Well, Earmuffs won't fit on anymore. But, um, you know, it just no. looked like a no, traditional 1K engagement, you know, like or a 1,200 engagement, but you were shooting like it. What was it? Th- th- it was 13, 13.25. 13.25. Uh, I think I did come off the gun and say that felt that felt like it was like a four 500-meter shot. It, it yeah. just felt very comfortable. Yeah. And the gun was, you know, obviously very capable to, yeah. to do it. So. Um, we had nice. we had good conditions as well. Yep. That always yep. helps. Um, mm. So it was very, you know, I think I, I, I think it was two or maybe three, but uh, it was definitely two goats. Yeah, um, pretty clean. Yeah, and and so certainly to be able to, to be able to sort of push the, a little bit more life out of that. The other factor probably in there is um, um, price would be a factor. I would think in mm. the ammunition. Yeah, mm. yeah I mean e- even. For my way of thinking, even if money was no object, I would. Greg, yeah, money is no object, gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 just joking. <laughs> I wish, but I mean, I, re, yeah, the reality is, uh, oh, that's right, Greg. We just to remind you to buy that Sorovsky. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> but I mean, even even loading a three three eight get very pricey if you're using yeah, oh, top yeah. end gear. Yeah. Um, mm. You know, you're looking at four or five dollars a case, and yeah. A few dollars a projectile if you want to want to go to the top shelf. Yeah, no, it's um, not it's not cheap, but um, but yeah, I think uh, yeah, I just think three three eight's a bit more pleasant to shoot from my yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah, I mean fifties are, are not, you know, there's the concussion from them, the noise. It's not so much recoil. You have got a good break on them that's um, manageable, but you fire mm. twenty or thirty rounds in a in a session with a fifty, and you know you get sort of capillaries going in your sinuses and mm. they're just not that pleasant to yeah. me. Um, 
you know, and, and it's not so much the, the rifle itself either, just, you know, reloading components, for example, you know, trying to find good quality 50 cow brass, particularly mm, yeah, in this country, true. you know, true. in, in comparison to sort of, you know, decent quality 338 brass where you've got several manufacturers you can readily access, mm. you know, all those sort of things Wait come up. into play. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Um yeah, it's 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 a good point. I mean, obviously clarified around only two um two options there, and and I'd probably you know so what you we were saying before, if you had the choice of three seven five, would probably be one of the significant contenders. Um, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, um, the the other question we just uh, got thrown to us uh, there from Andrew is, uh, what would you think suggest is the best all round hunting caliber now? Um, it's pretty generic question, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, Andrew, it may not have been your intent, but let's, uh, we're gonna throw it into what we're actually discussing, discussing on this one, being the the LR hunting side of things. So, um, let's say, you know, not just three, three, eight, or fifty. What if everything was on the on the table? What would you, what would you take in terms of caliber? Oh, look, I mean, if for for a long range hunting one, for for the kind of hunting we're talking, you know, in the yep. in a real hilly stuff. Probably a three hundred wind mag uh, yeah, would be. Right. I mean, there's you know there's loads you can run in a three hundred that will certainly equal, you know, in uh, exterior ballistics equal the three three eight. So no harder to hit your target, and a two hundred and thirty grain bullet hitting a goat, it's going to kill it. Doesn't matter how far away you are. <laughs> yeah, um, true. True. You know, everything's accessible. I guess. I mean, three seven five. Shytac is fantastic, but they're big again. You know, it's a heavier gun yeah, overall, a lot heavier. When you're lugging a, you know, a fourteen or fifteen pound gun versus a thirty pound gun, that's a lot extra weight just in the rifle. Yeah, fair point. Um, so look, if it was in flat country and it was vehicle based, I'd probably go bigger. But it also depends on how far your targets are going to be presenting, really. Hmm. But no, personally, probably a, a three hundred wind mag. So. Greg, any any thoughts on that? You're a bit of a six mil fan. Would that yeah, r- remain well, the know. same? <coughs> oh, look, you know, I've, I've done a lot of hunting all, all over Australia, and I've done a lot of that with a two four three. Yeah, um, and, you know, probably hence I'm a bit of a fanboy. But you know, probably one thing it does like at range is a bit more oomph, oomph, energy. Yeah, terminal performance. So yeah. probably I'd like to give a six and a half mil a run. Yeah. Okay. Um, at some point in time, I'm not sure what case, or but I'd love to just run it just to see, you know, it's killing power, I guess, compared to the six. You know, they're fairly similar ballistics. Um, mm. But yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd probably lean towards a six and a half mil of some description. Yeah, I certainly I've seen videos of uh, guys in the US shooting elk. You know, they're they're a big animal. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, sort of nine hundred to a thousand uh, with a six point five two eight four. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, not a massive case, but, you know, yeah. a bit of a step up from a Creedmoor size. But, um, you know, they, mm. were, they were hitting them and they were just, they were going down. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think, uh, I mean, I've, you know, I got the three through eight and that was, would have been a contender, you know, but mm. I've, I've got it. So I'll have to choose something else, won't I? Um, and I was going to go down that same path, a 6.5 Storm or a 6.5 to 8.4 or something along mm. those. Um, or, uh, let me revise my answer because you sort of did the same one. Let's move into a seven mil of some description. Yeah, I've, I've, seven I've always mil, yeah. looked at seven mil. Be really interested to know more about them. Um, if, uh, if we're going uh, purely for for long range, maybe maybe a seven Norma mag. 
something like that would be really, I think, interesting. Um, see how it would go. Mm. Um, yeah, I lock it in, Eddie. That's that's yeah, my answer. Yeah. Seven right. mil Norman Mag. We'll go with that. Yep. So, Better order one. Yeah, Greg will mm. get them all under control. <laughs> that would be uh, that would be very good. Um, yeah, cool. So, uh, Andrew, I'm sorry that that may not have actually been your question, but that's yeah, it's a bit <laughs> subjective, isn't it? <laughs> that's the way we're going to take know, it. And, and I think too, you know, LR hunting depends where you hunt. You know, like LR hunting in the Snowy Mountains is not LR hunting in South Australia. Like, yeah, fair call. You know, you don't often get the distances you get here often, Yeah, if that makes sense. Like, in the snowies, you cross gully shot, yeah, you might push 700, you might. Mm. Um, But, you know, or quite often you'll stalk within 300. But I I don't know, I find in South Australia, like like in the Flinders, the the big shots are there all the time. Um, Yeah, I've I've found found spots where the opportunities would be there, you know, where I'm looking at goats that, have outranged the rangefinder, which sort of comfortably hits them past 2,500. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, and you get onto a nice vantage point and you got sometimes 360-degree oh, yeah. target mm. opportunities. And so, you know, that's a very different consideration, I guess, and than, yeah. if, than if he was happened to be talking about shooting pigs in mm. western New South Wales, for example. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Is that, uh, Andrew, is that something you've done in terms of long-range pig shooting? Is that not a real lot? No, I mean it's not. It's it's commonly talked about pigs being shot in close range, mm. um, and I was having conversations. They're, they're shoot and scatter, so you'd probably want to be closer, wouldn't you? Yeah, than further. They don't. Um, yeah, they don't get confused easy. They just go, don't they? Oh, look, I've had pigs do funny things. So they'll, <laughs> they'll they'll come back and they'll stop, and they don't they don't know what's going on. But mm. often they're a bit more wily than a goat. You know, goats will, yeah. particularly in that mountain country, they will present themselves you know even the, in the high sort of areas they mm. it's almost like they're not really seeking cover whereas mm. you don't really find pigs doing that mm. okay um, yeah just geographically like just the terrain often you won't see the pigs from long distance but i haven't done it i haven't shot a pig past a thousand okay. um there's one property which i'd probably probably like to try it on um but yeah they're, they're not they don't behave like goats do goats are a very yeah, well, actually, well-behaved funny, target. Know. Yeah, they are well-behaved, <laughs> but they behave in different ways too. Like cause they when, can walk into your bullet, couldn't they? But well, yeah. Well, in the snowies, right? <laughs> yeah. If, if you got onto a goat and you tagged a goat, they'd always contour into the wind. Always. Right. So you could obviously position yourself in a, in a place convenient for mm-hmm. them to run straight at you. Obviously, yep. without getting yourself upwind from them, so yep. offset. And I used to clean up that way. The other, yep. when you went for goats in Flinders Ranges, the first thing they do when you engage a goat is run straight up a hill. So if you're at the top of that hill, you yep. can clean them all up. So yeah, there's behaviours that you can take advantage of yeah, that, that okay. are repeatable. Yeah, nice. Yeah, Simon's uh, Simon's. Um, Said there, he still uses the old one seven and two four three on goats in Flinders, and uh, yeah, absolutely, they do the job. Um, yeah, for for sure. And and for those who may have missed it, um, Greg, uh, Greg's record with his two four three from the last trip was seven hundred and seventy five meters, and that was a really really excellent shot. Very uh, very impressive that one. Yeah, that was nice. That yeah, look, probably I enjoyed that one. Probably worth noting as well that you know you certainly don't need to to do these long shots we're doing it because we you know we choose to mm. to sort of stretch the limits of you know equipment and ability 
Mm. And we practice yeah. a lot for it. Yeah, yeah. and, you know, like I, I've shot a lot of goats and Flinders Rangers in these areas with a bow. Um, mm. where I've walked up to 10 metres from them. Yeah. So, yep. horses for courses, really. Yeah. Well, that's, that's most of my early hunting was stalk and shoot. So, within 30 metres... And then away you go with an old lever action, you know. Yeah, but see, I, I tried all of that, but the diesel engine gave it away. I <laughs> know, <Righto>, Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> or the Macca's wrapper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, now all of that sort of killed off. They ran away. They, yeah. they smelt the, the thick shake and they were gone. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, I think our vibe just got killed. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot where we were. To be we're honest, we're talking about stalking, and then I ruined it. Yeah, I guess it's just all about different different forms of hunting out there. So, L long range or LR can mean different things to different people. So, yeah, totally. Yeah, depending on where you are and the topography you're hunting. Um, yeah, definitely in our region, it it offers long opportunities, mm. um, which is great for us. I I do. I haven't mentioned this to you before, but I, I do have a. A hankering, I guess, to try a uh, like a sharps, like a Shiloh sharps in probably fifty one ten or something like that at one stage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You read read stories of the old buffalo hunting in the oh. US, you know, shooting them long range, and I sort of thought, yeah, it's something that's always sort of been in the back of my mind. So the only problem with that that you'll be lacking the Flinders is there's not a huge content of uh, buffalo running around. No, but there are goats. And yep. you do need a six hundred gram bullet to kill a goat. <laughs> ah, so what I'm what I'm taking that as is that you you're going to like staple thirty goats together and He that, wants to ensure a humane death <laughs> of yes. this goat and the one behind it and three back from that as well. Well, yeah. it's, it's just a, a interesting take on long range shooting. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I certainly capable of you know, rifles are capable of doing it. So mm. just a matter of uh Utilising them accordingly. Yes. Yeah, Yet nice. another thing for Greg to buy me. <laughs> you just think of it and he'll... He, the job's done. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for that, Greg. Add it to the list, mate. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Excellent. So, guys, I've got a um, I've got a, a new segment for the show. And this one's not great, but um, hopefully in the future we can think of some better ones because it's all done a little last minute. But uh, we can also then put it up on Facebook and uh, and see what our listeners think. So it's like a, a would-you-rather type scenario, so one or the other, and I'm going to tell you what they are and then we're all going to say what we think without a huge amount of clarification, maybe a little bit of justification. So... Um, I, I saw it somewhere else, and so we're just going to rip that one off. But we may uh, may ch- uh, find out if there are some other ideas around floating around around the same thing. So anyway, I'll I'll cut out all this rubbish and get to the point. Would you rather have a new gun for free every year, or unlimited ammo? Unlimited unlimited ammo. Correct. Unlimited ammo. Yeah. You're going to give us a, a quick, simple reason as to why? Well, you still need to buy ammo for the guns if you're getting one every year. Yep. And I've been in the process of trying to reduce the, the number of firearms. So, yeah, it's a no-brainer, really. Mm. Yep. I, I got the exact same answer yep. uh, as you guys for a very, very similar reason, uh, is that I could always sell the ammo and buy the guns. Mm. You could always sell the guns and buy the ammo, too. Then I wouldn't have anything to shoot them through. But if I got unlimited ammo, I could sell 
There's nothing to I can afford. You are so deep. Yeah. <laughs> Thought this through, haven't we? Yes, we have. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we're going to throw that up on Facebook and see your opinion. But guys, if you've got a a kind of would you rather type scenario, one or the other, um, uh, Andrew's chiming in, uh, ammo all the way. Yeah, no, it seems to be the sensible way of doing it. Mm. Um and so, guys, hit us up with your with your would you rather, and we'll put it out there to not only obviously the guys in the room, but also to uh, everyone on Facebook and see what um see what people say. So, guys, uh, looking forward to this long range hunting trip, where whenever it may be, um, details to uh, to be locked down soon. And uh, thanks for coming in and sharing your ideas. All and, good. Um, and thanks to the guys on Facebook watching as well. Uh, no, we've had some technical difficulties. Seems to be the story of the night. But anyway, uh, thanks for listening along, um, unless this uh, episode got deleted and didn't make its way out there. Guess not then. Uh, no, here it is. All right, it's working. Good. All right, guys, have a good night, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. No worries. Catch you later. Thanks for listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast. To continue the discussion, check out our Facebook page. And for more information, head to our website, www.precisionshootingpodcast.com.au. This episode was brought to you by STS Steel Targets, premium shooting targets and accessories.